Hello everyone, today I talk to Paul, who is a German based in Sofia, Bulgaria for tax reasons. He has a very interesting journey. He used to be a professional poker player and now manages his own startup and does some coaching. We talk a bit about why he chose Sofia, Bulgaria, what the process was in setting up shop there and his personal overall story. Very interesting. I think you'll enjoy this one. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias. Today, I have Paul Otto on the Financial Independence Europe podcast. He has a very interesting story. I met Paul in Berlin. He is a kind of a friend of a friend from Edinburgh. And I was suggested, or he was suggested to meet with me in uh, Berlin. And I found his story fascinating and we thought it'd be great to have him on the podcast. So hello, Paul. Welcome on the podcast. Hey, Raminta. Thanks for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. Today, we are going to talk about Bulgaria and why you decided to move there. And later on, maybe move on to your personal story. So right, right now you are calling me from Sofia in Bulgaria. Can you tell us a bit about Sofia and why you decided to move there? Yes, that's right. I'm in Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria, one of Europe's most Eastern countries. And I moved here just a uh, half, six uh, or eight months ago. And the main purpose for the move is that Bulgaria is part of the EU. So you get all of the benefits and upsides of being in the EU while having extremely competitive tax rates. So Bulgaria is one of those countries which does attract foreigners by having favorable taxation. Okay. And we should probably give also an introduction of what you do and who you are and why you are keen on paying less income tax. Right. So yeah, let's start with where, where I come from. So I'm Paul and about 30 years old, was born and raised in Berlin, uh, capital of Germany. And when I was in high school, I did one year abroad in California in the US with a lovely host family. So if you guys are curious where my pronunciation comes from, it's partly from there. After high school, I studied uh, math in Berlin and then got into playing online poker. And due to playing uh, poker and having gambling income, I decided to move to the UK, in fact, to Edinburgh, the capital of Scotland. So there's a little bit more pronunciation coming from the northern part of the UK. So you're getting the real mix. And <laughs> a European mix. Edinburgh is a really great country for professional gamblers because as you... Edinburgh or Scotland? Well, the whole UK as yeah. well as a few other parts of Europe. But for me, because I moved to Edinburgh, that's the mm -hmm. poster child city that I'm going to promote. Because as you might be aware, gambling winnings are taxed uh, differently uh, all over Europe. In, in some countries, it's not even... Um, legal to be a professional gambler because there's no regulated uh, sites. However, in the UK, everything's uh, nice and legal and the tax rate is a very competitive 0%. Yep. So among other reasons, that's why I decided to take my online poker career to the capital of Scotland. When I moved there, we also uh, founded a business, my, my first business, which was a poker-related business that allowed people to buy and sell a 
poker coaching, poker videos, poker content, all kinds of good stuff. And yeah, I spent a couple of uh, years in Scotland basically living the poker dream. Now, maybe to, to the listeners who, who are not familiar with poker, when, when I'm talking about poker, I mean uh, online poker. So it's much like a video game. Um, you just sit at your computer all day and try to beat the other players. And this is a little bit different than maybe the public image of poker, which is all about bluffing and psychology and staring people in the eyes. Poker as a video game is a lot less appealing, perhaps. Um, but of course, there's a great uh, luck and, and financial component that makes it exciting and attracts players uh, the world around. Yeah, it's very exciting to meet a real poker professional player. Uh, I think growing up, we all have in our mind James Bond kind of poker players, you know, like uh, looking at each other with scars across the face. You have no scars and uh, <laughs> you've decided to uh, um, not yet <laughs> be, be more financially intelligent about it. So you were a, prof a professional poker player because now you, you coach or I don't know if that's your main kind of thing right now, but you still decided at the end of the day that it was... Um, a good idea to move to Sofia in Bulgaria. Right, right, right. So right now we're just in Edinburgh playing poker and setting up this little startup that has content for uh, other poker players and building a bit of a community. And with that, people start asking me, hey, Paul, uh, I like your style, I like your videos. Uh, can we do some coaching? So I slowly but quite fully transitioned into uh, poker coaching. So teaching other people how to make money online in professional and structured manner rather than just playing as a hobby and maybe make a little bit of profit to actually make uh, poker their main source of income and to live off of that. And this professionalized over the years, um, currently market myself as the world's number one uh, poker coach because we have in, in our little group of players some quite successful players that are official world champions and the like. So that turned out really well. And with having... Well, transitioned into poker coaching as well as a few other uh, projects that we can talk about later on. I was playing less and less poker, so the 0% tax rate on gambling winnings was less and less of a reason to, to be in, in Edinburgh. So maybe a year ago, I started to uh, look into other places in Europe and their taxation. And I found out that Sofia, or Bulgaria as a whole, Uh, was a tax regime that uh, would benefit me greatly. As a self-employed or as a company? Right. So there's a lot of different things uh, going on in terms of uh, taxation. However, the great thing about Bulgaria is it's quite simple. They have a 10% flat tax. So most of the tax rate are 10%. That means personal income tax is 10%. Capital gains tax is 10%. Corporate tax is 10%. So whatever you're doing, you're just paying approximately 10% tax. Um, of course, there's a bit more details to that, but but that's the gist of it. So whether I have uh, capital gains or uh, self-employed income, it's all just a 10% plus perhaps a little bit of social contributions. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty sweet. And you moved, how long ago did you move to Sofia? And how, if you could walk us a bit through the process of setting yourself up there, it's just interesting I, if... You know, I'm putting myself in the position of someone who might want to do that, even myself, who's also self-employed. What was the kind of process you went through? You decided on Sofia and then you were like, okay, did you just pack your bags and go? Or were you like, <laughs> because right. you're, in, I, well, you'll, you'll, you'll tell the story about Germany. Right, right. So in, in 2018, uh, we sold our uh, poker website or our first business. And at that point, my, my income streams 
we're starting to shift from from poker winnings to well poker coaching as well as uh, perhaps uh, capital gains from selling a business so i was thinking about um optimizing my tax rate and the way i do that is uh, do a little bit of research basically that's just an excel sheet or the the google docs version of that and i write down possibilities possible locations and to me since my family is from uh, berlin one of the most important aspects of any place is what's the connection to berlin right so there's a direct flight from edinburgh to berlin for example so it's very quick and easy to go uh, to go home if something's up and then i have a couple other columns uh, in that sheet and of course some of the important ones is the taxation and once i well had sofia in my list of course the first thing i did was a scout right so go there look around try to find uh, some people to talk to maybe some accountants maybe go to some meetups uh, to get to know the city and and see how much you like it the actual step of moving there i'm not sure when i made the decision but the uh, steps are fairly straightforward since it is in the eu and a lot of the uh, people are able to to communicate in english you just go there and set up right so that means you find an apartment and then you try to find an accountant that helps you set everything up Perhaps you need a local bank account, not strictly necessary, but obviously helps. Uh, most of Bulgaria operates still in their own currency, which is the leva. You can use euros for various things. A lot of people have dual bank accounts, so meaning uh, two currencies um, in their bank accounts. But it certainly helps to have, have a local bank account. But again, this is no problem. You just go to a bank branch and uh, open an account. Or you can use one of the many new fintech services like uh, Revolut or, or any other that uh, allows you easily to, to send money in any currency. Yeah, that's very interesting because, I mean, anyone who's moved to the UK knows that opening a bank account is a nightmare and you need like, a, you know, a oh, bill. Yeah, well, you know this, right? <laughs> You need like um, you need to show that you've got um, a bill, right? A utility bill with your name on it, or you need to prove that you're working here or that you're a student here. But you're telling me that in Bulgaria they're pretty easygoing. Is that right? It's actually interesting because the European regulation on this is has been undergoing a lot of changes in the recent years. So I think uh, this really depends actually what. Uh, yeah, country you're in and how fast they're implementing these European rules. When I opened a bank account in the UK in, I um, think, 2013, they did not require any proof of address yeah. or any proof of residency. I just uh, mm -hmm. took my passport and that's it. Um, tell them the address. Nowadays, you need to prove your uh, address, but of course, you can take a rental contract or you can ask a friend to write a letter that you live at their place. I think that is wow. sufficient to open a bank account in the UK. Mm -hmm. Although, again, it does change uh, quite rapidly. And in Bulgaria and Sofia, I think um, a few years ago, you could also open a bank account quite easily. These days, you do have to go through background checks, which take somewhere between a week and two weeks. I don't think you have to have a local residency, but it certainly helps because otherwise there, there's more steps that they will require you to take. That makes sense. Um, and in terms of tax residency. So you've been a tax resident in, in, in Germany, you've probably been a tax resident somewhere else, then tax resident in the UK, and mm -hmm. now you're officially a tax resident in Bulgaria. So it really varies from country to country how you tell that country that you are a tax resident or that you're not a tax resident. So when you left, uh, I remember you showed me your card, ID card, that in Germany it says non-resident, right? That's correct, yes. Because you have to you fill in a form. It's the same in the UK, same in Spain. But how do you tell Bulgaria that you're now a tax resident in Bulgaria? Like, you just tell them, you know, now I'm here. 
Well, usually the the easier part is to pay taxes somewhere because mm -hmm. the government doesn't mind. The harder part is to not pay taxes somewhere, so that yes. means uh, leaving your tax residency. Uh, for me in Bulgaria, I used a professional service that uh, helps foreigners get uh, everything set up. And the way that works is you go to a um, official, I'm not sure, government uh, instance uh, here in Bulgaria that handles foreigners coming to the country, and you apply for a permanent residency. And this application has to be done in Bulgarian. This is why I use the professional service. My Bulgarian is still uh, very, very weak. And once to, to apply for permanent residency, you need to either prove an income of something like at least 200 euros a month or that you have ties to the country in, in whichever way. So, for example, if you're renting an apartment, I think that is uh, sufficient. And once you've applied to be a permanent residence, you do get a residency card. And with this card, everything is a little bit easier. For example, opening bank account, I think, would be aided um, with that. And once you are a permanent resident, then you also can apply to get a tax number. Perhaps it is even issued um, automatically. And with this tax number, you're able to file a tax return as usual. Nice. Yeah, I'm asking this because, you know, depending on the country, especially those that are kind of tax havens, sometimes you need certain requirements. And one of the recent episodes with my father, he was telling us requirements to move to Andorra. And there's certain requirements if you move to certain countries, you just said that you need an income of at least 200 euros and some kind of tie. I'm guessing your yours is the, the income, since you probably don't have any ties in Bulgaria. And, but with that alone, you were able to move to Bulgaria. That's really interesting. Right. Now, a lot of tax havens, they uh, try to only attract uh, high net worth individuals, and then they have extremely uh, tough rules. Like if you want to move to Monaco or so, it's uh, very difficult or, let's say, very expensive to do so. But Bulgaria, their immigration rules are more to keep the uh, immigration numbers from even poorer countries uh, at bay. And they're not focused on, on limiting you know, the kind of tax refugees from Western Europe, they don't mind those too much. <laughs> and so have you met any other people in Sofia doing this kind of thing? I don't think Sofia has the largest community of expats. However, there are a few expat meetups, as well as a couple of freelancers from all around Europe that have set up shop here. I generally just work from home from my computer and do stuff there. So I haven't been meeting too many travelers in the city. However, if you are looking for it, I'm sure you will find cafes that are speaking mostly English. Yeah. And last point on this, I remember you mentioned to me that you, the reason you were considering Sofia is because it's in Europe and you prefer keeping your residency and your money in Europe. Could you kind of expand a little on that, on why you think it's safer just to stay in Europe? Or maybe it's more a personal reason? Right. So there, there's two, two things, right? So one is where do you want to be a uh, tax a resident and one is where where do you keep your money where where do you keep your assets now for tax uh, residency there's like this digital nomad option where where you like you're not a tax resident anywhere right um so this, that that's an option but i think this is quite difficult for like opening bank accounts improving your address and um, I, I think it, it doesn't work at at some at some point and then you could be a tax resident in some sort of tax haven, uh, like within the EU, like Gibraltar, Malta, Andorra, any of those is possible, but uh, they come with some drawbacks. Or you can go uh, on, on real tax havens like outside the EU, like Dubai or Panama or anywhere else in the in the world that, that favors to these things. But to keep things kind of uh, simpler and, and keep everything tied together, I do prefer to keep it uh, the tax residency in the EU. and the 
big thing is always about moving back. So when, once you've left the EU for good, let's say you set up permanent uh, residency in Panama and you move all your assets there and then you ever want to come back, you might uh, run into some troubles. This, this is kind of my, my main driver to keep everything here. And the second part about where to keep the assets, it's actually like the tax residency and where you keep assets. It's, it's not related. You you can mix and match uh, as you like. So you can be a just completely regular taxpayer in the UK, but move all of your assets to Panama and invest into a hedge fund there. Like that's completely legal. The downside again is if you ever move your money back. So let's say you did invest in a hedge fund in Panama and your small investment turned into a huge sum of money. And now you want to buy a house in, in London with that money. So you just transfer it back to your bank, not thinking much about it. But what will happen then is the bank's red flags are going to go bing, bing, bing. <laughs> a huge transfer from a tax haven country. And they might not accept your transfer or they might block your accounts. So generally, this is the, the trouble. Uh, if you move outside of the well-regulated uh, EU market, then coming back in the future might be an obstacle. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's also interesting. Uh, personally, I might also leave the EU, but I, I'm pretty sure I will retire in Europe. So it's it's interesting to hear that for anyone who's considering, you know, leaving to be careful about it because, you know, Europe is well regulated for a reason, I guess. Yes. So moving more now onto kind of your personal story of moving to Bulgaria, how did you weigh the, well, you already talked to us a bit about how you weigh the pros and the cons, but in terms of your personal kind of what you wanted your quality of life to look like, how, how big did that factor into your decision? I'm just thinking, uh, I mean, you don't have a family with you, so maybe it's a little bit easier. And is that something you'll consider in the future? Or do you think someone else with a family? Is that a viable option? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you have family, of course, uh, being flexible is much more difficult. Other factors for moving that, that are considered or besides taxation, which of course is just, just one factor, is climate, air quality, crime statistics. And also very interesting is cost of living. So Bulgaria being one of the poorer countries, or by some metrics, the poorest country in the EU has a very competitive cost of living. So this means for the same price that you might get a standard apartment somewhere in Western Europe, you can get a really great apartment um, here in Sofia. So that that's really nice. Or just another example, you can have a short 15-minute taxi ride and that will cost you here something like 10 leva or like 5 euros, 4 pounds, which is amazing. While at the same time, you have this low cost of living, but the standard isn't that far behind. You do have co-working spaces, 24-hour gyms, modern malls and supermarkets. So you got everything you need while paying way less for it, which, which is a really nice upside. And then one of the important factors for me why Sofia did actually end up winning is that the airport is well connected. So on the one hand, from my apartment in Sofia to the airport, I can go within 15 minutes without having noise pollution at night. And from the airport, you connect to basically any European city directly, uh, which is uh, quite amazing. Wow, very nice. I didn't know that much about... I mean, I've been to Sofia, but I, I didn't know that it was... It sounds like a pretty good deal. And it's actually surprising that there aren't as many digital nomads that you're talking about, or maybe there are and you don't really hang out with them. But would you consider this a viable option for other people who are interested in maybe working from their computers? Well, for every upside, there's a downside, right? So you have to, to look at those as well. It's, it's easy to be blinded by someone who's moved here and then tells you how nice it is. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, of course, is the cultural and language barrier. So uh, Bulgaria was a communist country 
and has uh, to deal with the consequence of that for uh, quite a bit longer than maybe other countries in Europe that were under communist regimes. And then the standard alphabet is the Cyrillic alphabet. So this is uh, will be a little bit difficult to read at first, as well as the language not being from the typical European language family. So if you're, uh, as I was, uh, schooled in the uh, you know English, German, Dutch uh, kind of language family, and then the Spanish, French, Italian language family, then this uh, Eastern Slavic language family is completely new to you, completely foreign. So that that's a little bit of adjustment in that. But then again, I think people who are going into this digital nomad kind of direction they are flexible and they yeah. like learning new things. So that's not necessarily a negative. Maybe that's more of a positive. Yeah. The other thing is the city is certainly not the most beautiful city in Europe. But then again, with a lower cost of living, who cares what it looks like? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good um, pretty good deal you, you, you got yourself. And I know you don't always want to think of the future, but how do you think, uh, how long do you think you, you do you expect to stay in Sofia or you're just seeing how it goes? Well, that's a very dif- difficult question for me to answer. Certainly, we'll stay here uh, a few years and see how things develop. But I'm always trying to see what, what's happening everywhere and, and seeing finding new opportunities. So I'm quite flexible. If something better comes up, then I will be taking that opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. And so if uh, we were to put ourselves in a position of someone who's, you know, considering moving to Sofia, what's the first thing that you'd recommend they look into or the first step you think they should take towards considering, you know, Sofia? Right. So before deciding where to move, I think it's always good to have uh, one, two, maybe three uh, favorites that you want to compare and then actually go there and explore them. So before I moved to Edinburgh, I also had a list of cities that I considered moving to. And I I took a few days worth of trip to each of them, did like a little round trip. And I think this is very important. If if you want to move somewhere, then you need to have a good feeling about the place. If if you if your first trip, you have some bad experiences, uh, you get treated badly, you have a stomach bug and the taxi driver scams you, maybe you decide you don't want to move there. And then, of course, on the flip side, if you have positive experiences, it will make you more confident in your choice. So I think absolutely the first step is to just have a short trip, maybe take it together with a friend so you have another perspective, and then decide whether you like it or not. After that, if you make the decision to go to Bulgaria or to Sofia, then I would recommend using a professional help service for expats because of the language barrier. And as I was saying, to to apply for residency in Bulgaria, this can be tricky to do on your own. Or, of course, you maybe are lucky enough to find a friend um, that will help you with that process. And then the next steps are find an apartment and potentially get a bank account, which is fairly easy because both of these are managed by companies that uh, want to find customers. So that shouldn't be a problem with English only. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And uh, it's good that it's in Europe because you can easily go for a short trip. I'm just thinking if I want to, I'm considering moving to Melbourne, it's going to be a bit more difficult to <laughs> do a short trip and see if I like it. But that's what's good about Europe. You can do that. Easily. You got Ryanair, EasyJet, Wizz Air, the cheap flights almost every day. It's so easy to do a city trip these days. Nice. And so you've talked to us a bit about your experience moving to Sofia and Bulgaria and being a tax resident there. And we also met to talk about your projects. So it'd be interesting to hear a bit about your other projects that don't involve uh, poker. Well, the, the company that you're, or the startup that you're working on. Right, so our my main our main project, main startup right now is called uh, F5 Crypto. So this is a company that offers services in the cryptocurrency, crypto assets uh, space. And 
I think this is a super exciting new field that we have created online, these natively digital assets that don't have any connection to the physical world. It's incredibly exciting. I could talk for hours about this. And about a year ago, actually it's 2020, uh, about two years ago, founded a new company that specializes in um, services to financial advisors, banks, uh, high net worth individuals, and, and offers them advice or just information on what's happening in this exciting new field. Nice. So from what I understand, your crypto startup is, is helping other companies understand, or German companies mainly, from, from what I remember? Well, the uh, our website is f5crypto.com. And it runs in both English and German. Our competitive advantage is that we do offer all our services in German, which is uh, not the norm. Most of these uh, incredibly new crypto-related uh, startups, they're, they're English-only uh, companies. So that that's kind of what we do. But we're, of course, uh, English-speaking as well. And why did you personally decide to move away from poker and into the startup crypto space? There's, of course, a lot of uh, factors at play there when your career go undergoes uh, changes. But perhaps the most fitting perspective for the Financial Independence podcast is uh, one of a financial perspective. So essentially, uh, the way I see it is once you've accumulated a good amount of capital, it makes more sense to focus on investing and comp compounding your capital rather than more or less working a job that has linear uh, increases. Right. So as Put some numbers to it. So, for example, let's say you'd have uh, one million in, asset, in assets, and you'd be able to make a two percent net return without uh, managing them. But then you can work on the side, making an additional twenty-five thousand uh, net a year or so. Or instead of making that uh, job where you make twenty-five thousand a year on the side, you decide to focus completely on managing your assets, and you can increase your return from let's say two percent to five uh, percent then actually that increase on the return is worth more than the money you make uh, linearly by, by working each year. So kind of there's, there's always this point where once your capital is large enough, that focusing on working with your capital is more worthwhile than, than having a regular hourly uh, based job. And now for poker, the, the situation is actually goes in this direction way quicker than with other jobs. And this is because uh, poker is, online poker in particular, is quite on a decreasing long-term trend. Like there was a poker boom 10, maybe 15 years ago. And since then, since the boom, it's just been uh, slowly shrinking. Whereas uh, for investing, the additional return you achieve by being like a smart and intelligent investor compounds upwards. So like this tipping point where you should stop with a regular income and instead focus on compounding um, profits is if you come from poker career is actually quite early. So the reason I'm trying to have uh, new startups and invest in the crypto space as well as in, in other projects is just that I believe those things have a higher uh, long-term compounding effect. Yeah, that makes sense. And also your poker coaching is, you know, you're exchanging time for your money. Whereas when you're managing a business, well, as you said, it's exponential and uh, you eventually can sell it or you can, you know, your shares increase in value. So I guess exactly. that's, that's what you're saying. And I guess with your crypto startup, is your ambition to eventually set it off or is it kind of your goal to keep exploring the crypto world and seeing what you can contribute to it? But so our, our F5 uh, crypto business is still in the startup phase, which means we don't have uh any uh, 
fixed employees. We don't have any uh, long-term uh, clients. So right now, speculating about what we will do in the future is obviously um, a futile effort. Yes. Uh, but of course, the options are either to find a business model that generates long-term revenue or to find a business model that's potentially um, attractive to a large financial institution so that you would sell off the business. I think both of these are feasible options. Okay, Paul. Well, thank you very much for your, for your chat. We're going to do some uh, final questions right now, if you're ready for that. All right. If we want to find you online and get in contact with you, where is the e easiest place? I think email is the traditional thing that basically everybody uses. So if you do want to uh, send me an email over, that would be paul at f5crypto.com. I'm also on Twitter, uh, but again, the, the issue is not everybody uses Twitter. However, if you are on Twitter, then please go check me out at Paul internet and the internet misses the first i because the l of paul is in place of that so maybe you can put it in the yeah. notes somewhere yeah, yeah, people we'll to click on I'll, i have twitter so i'll add you great um <laughs> what is one resource not well known that you'd recommend to others that has helped you on your journey to i don't know financial education shall we say right i, I don't know if it's not well known But the uh, website I do find a lot of great content on just about anything is YouTube. Mm -hmm. And on YouTube specifically, there's a channel that does financial education on, well, a, a foundational but extremely detailed and very well curated way, which is called Two Cents. So just as you mm -hmm. would write the words, uh, Two Cents. And alongside that channel, there's so much great content on YouTube. Uh, granted, for, for all that upside, there's also a lot of downside content on YouTube that you need to not fall into. But I, I really love YouTube because it's free to watch anywhere in the world and has some of the best digital learning content anywhere. And you used to do YouTube videos, right? For um, I used to do a lot of poker coaching videos, and some of them have ended up on YouTube, uh, not necessarily by my own on um, force but that's really? okay <laughs> okay uh our last question today is what is your number one actionable tip for someone to get started on their path normally it's to financial independence but you know you can interpret that in any way you want right so how how do you become financially independent how do you become a rich well those are yeah. I mean, related more, at least yeah it's more like how did you get to where you are now You know, someone were interested in mm -hmm. achieving something similar. What would, you, what would be your number one? I think there's a whole stack of things that you need to climb and, and master. But maybe the overarching thing is that in order to achieve something, you really need to want it and you really yeah. need to do it. And it needs to be your number one goal in life to achieve that. So, right, if you want to uh, watch football and party on the weekends and reach financial independence, that's, that's not going to work out. Like you really got to want it and really got to invest your time and, and invest the hours and, and have some failures and learn from them in order to, to reach those goals. So as for anything, if you want to have success, you really got to get into it. And this podcast is a great place to start. <laughs> oh, yeah. You mean by listening to it? Yeah, totally agree. Of course. And, I, and that's why I completely agree. And this is why I keep going on about how important it is to investigate before committing. Because if you take the time to uh, figure out what it is that you really want... Then you find it and then, you know, it's like a no-brainer. Obviously, you're going to go after it. The problem is when you don't really know what you want and then you don't know what to do with your life. So I also, I'm yes. a very big advocate of 
you know, doing the research, trying a lot of different things, figuring out what it is that fits you best. So yes, kudos to that. Anyway, Paul, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today uh, and maybe see you again in Berlin thank you. or some other random city in Europe. <laughs> thank you. It's wonderful uh, t talking to you and being on the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Mintos and Mintos is the largest peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for European investors and offers a big selection of loans worldwide with regular returns of up to 12% per annum. And FI Europe listeners get 0.5% cashback bonus on their initial deposits. Head over to financial-independence.eu slash Mintos for more information. And the link will also appear in the show notes. Please note we are no financial advisors, so please do your own research. And by using the referral link, you will also support us to cover the costs of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>